0: It's Overexposed, the film photography podcast with me, Sasquatch Mansfield. Rob Gaines joins me and talks about music, diet, and his journey as a photographer, plus like a million other things. He lives in Atlanta with his wife and three kids. He's like really genuine and just kind. So... You know, if you like that kind of thing, you're going to really enjoy this. That's what I love about the film community is like, you could just throw a rock and hit someone that's nice. I don't know. I mean, I think you're going to like it. So, I mean, let's just go. Rob, thanks for being on the podcast, man.
1: Thanks for having me, Mason. Yeah. Um,
0: so you're in Atlanta. Is that mm-hmm. right? And um, what's lockdown like over there?
1: Uh you
0: know. oh, Never ending? <laughs>
1: You know, it's interesting, man. Like our governor has pretty much eased all the restrictions that he put in place. And uh, life is normal outside of like 95% of people wearing masks everywhere. So uh, you still can't go to the movies. People aren't going to like concerts and sporting uh, venues, things like that. Uh, But, you know, we go to the grocery store, and pretty much hang out at home right now. Yeah, uh, But a lot of people are doing more, man. But with three kids, most of, yeah, all of them are under the age of six. I'm just trying to keep them safe. So we don't do a lot. Yeah, But if you just take a look at what's happening in the city, people are kind of finding their way back to some sense of normal. Yeah. But I still work from home, which I didn't before. Um, and we try to limit our Our time outside of the house, yeah, but just trying to be, you know, cautious.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're 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 pretty much the same in the same boat. We have four kids, uh, six and under, and uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'm not getting sick like that. That's like that's a deal. Like if one of us got sick, we're screwed, man. Like that is that is a rough game for one person to deal with. Right. We're potty training three boys, like. (laughs) <laughs> yeah how old um our youngest is two then we have a um three-year-old and a just turned four-year-old
1: yeah my three-year-old has been potty trained for a year um my wife just made it happen yeah last year and five-year-old he's six and he's he's taking care of himself pretty for the most part yeah and my daughter is seven months and uh She's fun. So we've got one who, if you don't remind him to use the bathroom, yeah. he might forget yeah. <laughs> you know, but everybody else is covered, either with a diaper or with better bladder control. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, man, I, I understand exactly what you're saying. It's Logistically, it's a pain to get out of the house, so mm-hmm. we really have a lot of excuses to stay home. It's going to take us an hour to get out the house. It's not really worth it. <laughs>
0: yeah yeah and also i feel like there's a weird tension too like with everybody else getting back into their like you know normal life and then you're kind of like i'm i'm still not gonna do that like i have to be like the most cautious that i can because
1: yeah yeah we had a um we had a moment over the weekend where I think we just kind of lost sight of some of the precautions we were taking mm. and um you know, in retrospect, should have had on masks, should have just been thinking a little more, uh, a little bit more about (laughs) what we're all living in right now. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, aside from that one moment, we've done pretty well, man. Um, It's hard, though. Yeah. You know, there's a fatigue that has (laughs) come with this experience that I don't think people have the words to express. So what they're doing is just... Not wearing mask and not social distancing. Yeah. They're not saying I'm tired. They're just showing you that. Right. Forget this. Yeah. Like I can't. I can't live like this. And we're seeing a rise in cases, right? Right. Because I don't think people mean to be malicious about it. It's just that we're social creatures. Yeah.
0: Well, and, yeah, and it's something that we've never experienced, right? And so we're just all like, no. can it? Let's just let's just call it over. Let's <laughs> like please just right. let's call it over. <laughs>
1: Right, right, and you know maybe I get it and I'll be okay. A friend of mine was he tested positive yesterday. Okay, <clears throat> but he was down for like a day and a half. You know, he's yeah. thirty five, good shape. Yeah, has had some body aches, yeah. but he didn't even realize he had it. You know, he just went to get tested just yeah. to be sure. Oh. Turns out he did, but I mean, he's he's over it as far as he knows. In terms of having symptoms, yeah, but other people, you know, end up in the hospital on a respirator, right? Or excuse me, a ventilator, and so I don't want to roll the dice. No, no, you know, I think I'm in good health, but yeah, I don't
0: know. But, but maybe you're not. It's like that. <laughs> right? um, it's like that skinny fat kind of thing. You know?
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm skinny fat. <laughs> right. I'm 35 years old and I'm skinny fat. Like I have a skinny <laughs> fat dad bod and. I gotta do something about it. But until I can, I'm just gonna stay inside. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, my best friend is um an ED nurse. And so he's he's dealing with COVID patients like every single day. Mm. And he's like, Yeah, I'm like, why would I get the test? Like, what's the point of getting the test done? Because like it doesn't change my life at all. Unless I start showing symptoms, then like. I'm isolating right. regardless, always right. and constantly. So and he also was like, and also you don't want the test. <laughs> like he said he feels like a terrible person whenever he has to give a test. Cause really? Yeah, because he's like, You're basically like shoving a q tip up close to their brain. Like that's that's how bad it is. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so because I was thinking about it. I was like talking to him. I was like, oh, maybe I'll, you know, get the test. Cause you know, I've been on like some shoots and things like that and just like be careful. And, and he's like, no, nah, don't do that. <laughs> just,
1: oh, man. just isolate. I guess that's why they're trying to uh, ramp up the saliva testing because the nasal swabs are pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That sounds, that sounds horrible. I don't think I thought about that. Uh, yeah. No, thank you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like it sounds like, okay, you just like get some of my boogers and then you're like, okay. <laughs> but but it, he was like, I don't pull it out until I have blood on the end. Like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. No. <laughs> it's too
1: much. Yeah, but, you know, your, your instincts kick you and you start swinging. Yeah. <laughs> you start fighting back.
0: Yeah. Mm-mm. Oh, man. So you're a communications...
1: Yeah, I'm the director of communications for an education nonprofit. Cool. Mm -hmm.
0: What does that mean?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It just means, well, what part of it? The communications part or the nonprofit
0: part? No, I get the nonprofit. You guys don't make a profit. (laughs)
1: No, we don't. (laughs) The the communications role is really to um, ensure that the work we're doing is broadcast to the world by way of social media. Cool but also relationships with um, actual media personnel. So journalists who work with newspapers, um, TV anchors, uh, anybody who cares about education and is speaking to the public about that work. We try to ensure that our story is a part of what they're talking about. Um, But we also do education policy advocacy work So communications in that respect is shining a spotlight on good education policy. So we don't lobby. So the fine line between advocacy and lobbying is whether you're advancing a specific um, policy issue versus saying research says these types of policies are good for students and letting people make decisions from there versus saying vote House Bill 337, you know, right? Right, Yeah. yeah. We have partners who do that kind of work, but we don't tell people how to vote. We simply say, we've compiled research. Okay. This is what the research says. And my job is to be sure people know that we're compiling the research and that there is a nonpartisan point of view on a particular education topic. So that's the line we walk.
0: Yeah. That's a tricky one. Everything's partisan
1: nowadays. It is, yeah, and, and but it shouldn't. Like no. I don't think education should be a partisan issue. Exactly. I mean, we do want to educate a citizenry, I think. Um in the fact that we can't always agree on how we want to educate the public, I understand. But sometimes you just wonder if yeah. everybody's really on the same page.
0: Yeah. About
1: wanting an educated population.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So education and like like K through twelve, or is this
1: like yeah? Okay. Sorry, yeah. Public, okay. um, Public education, but pre K through college. So we say P P sixteen. Okay. Um, so we care about kids before they enter kindergarten. And you know, a lot of the work we do is actually like prenatal care, oh, advocacy. Interesting. So yeah, we talk about basically from <laughs> how I, have I heard put from the cradle to the career, or people say. <laughs> From the womb to the workforce. I mean, you get all these, you know, these phrases, but the idea is, um, in Georgia, especially the the quality of prenatal care or even access to prenatal care is sometimes limited when you get into rural communities. Mm. And so what that means is you have babies who are born um, preterm. Right. And they oftentimes have a host of developmental challenges. Yeah which if you fast forward to a pre-K or kindergarten classroom means delayed learning, which then means throughout their entire public school experience, they may struggle. Right. And if you can ensure that there are policies that address things like access to healthcare, then you can also shore up educational outcomes. Mm-hmm. So we have a multi-pronged approach to ensuring that, educational outcomes are what we want them to be. And we do that by looking at things through an economic lens, through a healthcare lens, uh, because most people think, oh, if you go to school, you get an education, but what if you're going to school hungry? Or what if you're going to school and you can't see, but you don't have health insurance, yeah. and you can't get an eye exam, yeah. and therefore you don't have glasses, and nobody knows that you can barely see. Right and a host of other issues, you know, some kids have dental dental issues that prevent them from being fully engaged in school. So we know that if we can basically create this, uh, what's the best way to explain it? We call them wraparound services. If you can meet the non-academic needs of students, mm. they're much more likely to perform at, at a high level in sure. school. But even the smartest kids who are hungry, And have tooth decay, probably aren't gonna do well. Right. They're just they're distracted. They have other things that they care about. Yeah. Your algebra class is secondary.
0: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that is good work that you're doing.
1: I love it, man. I absolutely love it. It's been tough working from home because we have a small team, but Uh very, very tight. Yeah. And we do amazing work given the size of our staff. But it's good work, man. You know it matters. Have so yep. to get up every day and do something that you know is making a difference. Yeah, it's no better feeling. Yeah,
0: yeah. There's, there's. On the flip side of that, it's like nothing worse than working for a company that you're just like soul is being sucked dry. You know, <laughs> just like oh, yeah. another day. Like I have to do this because I have to pay my mortgage. But yeah, man, that's that's it's a tough spot good. to
1: be in. Yeah, it's a lot of start of your day, at least Monday through Friday. <laughs> On something you hate, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. soul crushing, like yeah. you
0: said, yeah. yeah. so good for you, man. I'm I'm glad you enjoy what you're doing.
1: Yeah, it's a lesson, man.
0: Yeah, but you're also a photographer, and a in a really good one.
1: Oh, <laughs> <Well>, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. You're
0: mainly on your uh, Roloflex
1: T, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, this apparently is the cheapest Roloflex they ever made. <laughs> I didn't know that. It's the only one I could afford. I,
0: I like I like the rolling flex because you're already like, you're you're it's it's past tense. You've already flexed it. You know, it's like rolling flexed.
1: <laughs> I, I love it, man. It was my thirtieth. It was a gift for my thirtieth birthday from my parents. He says <laughs> the last gift we're ever getting you. <laughs> what do you want? And my wife, who knows me like the back of her hand. She said, I know exactly what he wants. And uh, I'll never forget it, man. <clears throat> opened up this gift bag and it was just sitting in there. Yeah. And I don't I could show it to you. I uh, almost said, like, hey Ben, can you cut my camera back? Um, it's cool because it's black and gray. The earlier models um, were black and gray and they have a white face model as well. Okay. Both. But this one was one of the earlier production models. Yeah. And, uh,
0: Oh, yeah.
1: But, you know, compared to the 2.8F, it's it's not, yeah. technically, it's not, you know, on par. But what I found, probably tested. this, is like, it's a tool. Yeah. Right? And sometimes you can put the best camera in the hands of an inexperienced person and get some really bad images. There's yeah. a guy I know. He owns a photography uh, a film lab, actually, in Atlanta, the only film lab in Atlanta, and he has clients who have more money than they know what to do with yeah. and they go buy the most expensive Canon 5D outfit, right? right. And the pictures are horrible, and they don't understand it, because they thought they were buying good pictures, and <laughs> really they bought a seven or $8,000 camera they don't know how to use, <laughs> and they get, up, they get mad. Um, yeah. This camera's been good to me, man. Yeah. You know, I, I thought I wanted a Two point eight, half a one, that extra half stop, uh-huh. speed. I just learned how to make it work for me. Yeah,
0: yeah, man, that's good. Yeah, you have. <laughs> like, yeah, I I don't know anybody that knows of your work that isn't like he is incredible.
1: So interesting because I did <laughs> told my wife like, I didn't. You know, I post mostly in the group just to share but then on Instagram it's like a log just for me to remember
0: oh sure yeah you know
1: yeah. my kids my kids are getting older so it's, it's a yeah. weird experience to have such positive feedback on your work yeah. when you're still picking it apart yourself yeah like, oh, you know, yeah sorry it could have been better so it's but it's very encouraging at the same time and, yeah uh, so I do appreciate the feedback man.
0: yeah well I think I think it's I think it's probably mostly well it's a lot of things but it's just refreshing because i don't i don't know how much you consume of like instagram or like any of that kind of stuff but it's so not that
1: <laughs> you know yeah like there's a staleness to a lot of what's going on yeah yeah,
0: yeah. and like one you're a private account
1: so. oh yeah i am <laughs> I had some weird people trying to follow me man oh yeah. Me- with with me posting with my kids i wanted to be careful oh yeah like i I never share their names i never share anything personal but i had some strange people who were just following me and i thought you know some weird people in the world let me at least be a little more cautious yeah
0: yeah yeah Yeah, but i i like um i don't know yeah it's just it's just a very refreshing look like um (laughs) some of my favorites are the um the back of the van portraits those are so good like i was just like that's a thing that i would have never thought to use but now i'm like is
1: it is it the one where like the hatch is up yeah yeah yeah
0: there's multiples of those
1: (laughs) yeah because so some of those pictures man i don't know exactly the one you're, you're referring to but i have some i probably haven't shared publicly just for the sake of my son's privacy but (laughs) before he was potty trained Uh in the back of our van there was a stroller and a portable toilet seat so like the back (laughs) the back of the van was where all like the dirty stuff happened (laughs) but i always take my camera with me because i've had enough times where i wished i had it because i saw something i'm like ah
0: i know it's the worst my
1: wife is like Bring that again, like, yeah, because I'd rather have it and not open up the bag, yeah, and miss that one picture that maybe I saw and just couldn't get to, yeah. So, some of those, you know, back of the van pictures are like, you know, weird moments. Like, one there's one picture, it's kind of like I don't know if ironic is the right word, but there's a picture of my son, and he's got like a tank top on, he's really excited, you know. and, Oh, wow, this is, is, I'm just not remembering the day I took that photo. It was the last day I saw my grandmother alive. Oh, wow. And I I didn't know that that was the last time I'd see her. She was in the hospital, and uh, she was recovering from, I think, a surgery, some type of cancer. And um, on the way back to the um, (laughs) parking deck, it was this great lighting coming through the, park. mm-hmm. the parking. parking parking are really cool places to take photos because uh-huh. you get open shade and pockets of all kind of cool light. And so he was in the back and he was just really excited. And I took the photo and I never connected that until now. Mm-hmm. We were talking about like, why, why did I even take that picture? Uh, wow. We just happened to be, we were in Tennessee and heading back to Atlanta and um, that may not be the photo you're referring to, but, um, that is the context for one of those photos at least there's always a story right yeah
0: absolutely I, i well and i love that i think that's that's something that's unique to i don't know at least for me every digital image that i've taken i don't really remember much but like almost i like you could pull up pretty much any photo of mine in like my dropbox and i would be like yep here's here's where i was here's what i was thinking like there's just, there's a connectedness to that, that you just don't have. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah the memories. Oh, I'm,
1: yeah, I'm looking at some of the ones you're talking about. And, <laughs> yeah, man. You know, I don't remember all of them exactly. <laughs> these are pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> I don't go back through these very often, but these are these are, are funny. I remember some of them better than others. So. Yeah. But, uh, oh, I see the one I was telling you about. Yeah, it's the tank top on and just the little hat. And yeah. That's the most long-term mm. Man, I, I never thought about that picture. Mm. Anyway, I'm kind of <laughs> getting nostalgic. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so y- you grew up in Atlanta? I did, man. It's suburb of Atlanta. So Atlanta is a weird place. Okay, 90% of the people who tell you they're from Atlanta or even live in Atlanta uh-huh. don't. Know. Yeah. Or... Are not from Atlanta, yeah. right? So awesome. you got the Metro Atlanta area, <clears throat> which includes I want to say 17 counties. Okay. Oh, Maybe. wow. Maybe my number might be off there, but there there are a good number of metropolitan counties that have cities and you know suburbs. So I, I grew up in a suburb of Atlanta called Kennesaw. Okay. Um, which is north of the city. And then I moved from Kennesaw to another suburb suburb called Smyrna, which is west of Atlanta. And I live now in Mableton, which is adjacent to Smyrna. Okay. So I never grew up in the city of Atlanta, but for all intents and purposes, it's like explaining Smyrna or Mableton or any of it to somebody <laughs> not from Atlanta. It's a waste of time. Yeah. So you just say you're from Atlanta yeah. and, and most people get that. Rarely does that translate into, oh, you live in the city right. units of Atlanta. Yeah. I mean, they're, most people don't.
0: Yeah. 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 But uh, I have a buddy that grew up in Dallas, Texas, like yeah. proper. Yeah. And anytime he meets anybody that's like, yeah, I grew up in Dallas, he's like, okay. Yeah. Where at? And yeah. they'd be like, well, it was actually Irving. He's like, you didn't grow yeah. up in Dallas, dude. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in Dallas.
1: <laughs> people from Atlanta are the exact same. Really? They will, they will, yeah. So there's a phrase here called OTP or ITP. It's oh. like in, inside the perimeter or outside the perimeter. <laughs> okay, and if you're OTP, you don't count. Oof, because the city of Atlanta, for the most part, lives exists within the 285 perimeter, which is just a circular. Oh, gotcha. Highway of sorts oh, that. Yeah, this is a huge loop around the city. Yeah. So people who live inside of that perimeter <laughs> consider themselves more authentic Atlantans, which I get. People you know, it's so like good. every oh man, <laughs> find any way to to create distinctions, yeah. or distinguish themselves from other folk. It makes me laugh. Yeah, I don't, I don't care.
0: I'm better because <laughs> I'm on this side of the highway.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm a real Atlantan. Okay. Oh, okay. What hospital were you born in? Like all these questions come up oh. to, to determine how Atlanta are you? Living? Dang. My, my wife is a real Atlanta. Okay. Born, born here, raised here, born at a respectable Atlanta hospital. <laughs> <laughs> I was born in Tennessee, but my parents had set up shop in Atlanta. Right okay. there. All my mom's prenatal care was in tennessee because my dad you know moved to atlanta happened through her pregnancy so it's like i'm from atlanta yeah i wasn't born here right only because my parents my mom's ob was in tennessee yeah. so it was like give birth just drop that
0: yeah that's good but you know yeah i love atlanta man like
1: it's a good city huh
0: yeah cool. man i like it's, a great city. it's um it's so it's such a different culture than like, well, especially Austin. Like, oh, that that's my hometown. That's
1: where I was born okay, and cool. I raised.
0: Um,
1: yeah, I have a cousin in Austin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she used to work for the governor. And now I think she's she's an attorney. I don't know what she does now. Okay. But, uh, she loves Austin, man. I've heard great things.
0: It's good. It's good. It yeah. used to be better. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> It's just it's just getting overcrowded. I don't even live in Austin now. Oh. I live outside because it's like
2: I can see I, that I can't
0: afford that. Like I can't I can't afford like yeah. you know, fifteen hundred bucks a month for like a studio apartment. It's like why? That's a mortgage. Yeah, That's a mortgage. That, I pay less than that on my mortgage and I yeah. have a three two. So
1: <laughs> Oh sweet. <laughs> yeah. Wherever you live sounds pretty nice, I mean, <laughs> Housing in Atlanta has gone through the roof. Really? I mean, yeah, we couldn't the Reason we don't live in Smyrna anymore is because we couldn't afford to buy there. Mm. Even though we'd lived there for six years, we couldn't afford, we sold our house and still couldn't afford to buy. Dang. In the very community, yeah, in the very community we had purchased a home in six years prior. I mean our home sold for three times what we paid for it. Wow. <laughs> That's how insane the market was. So we sold, yeah, moved to an adjacent city. Yeah. And like, why would I I get location is everything with real estate, but at some point it can't be everything.
0: No. Yeah. You
1: know, I'll just drive an
0: extra 15 minutes. It's no big deal.
1: (laughs) There's a corridor that splits our community from Smyrna and there's a hundred thousand dollar difference in home prices just because of this, just on opposite sides. If you, you cross over this one street, housing prices go up a hundred thousand dollars for the same square footage.
0: That's so crazy.
1: Well, it's like 300 bucks a square foot in Smyrna, roughly our area is like hundred 110 bucks a square foot dang
0: well and it's, it's all yeah like with the location thing it's it's pointless now like those people feel yeah. like idiots now because everybody's in their house nobody is going anywhere
1: <laughs> yeah and um, you can't you can't justify that type of extra cost no. for the sake of saving 10 minutes or being closer to the city right. You know, by ten minutes, like no way, I'm not, yeah, not doing that. Yeah.
0: Well, so um, as as you're growing up in Atlanta, it, like when did you mm-hmm. start getting into photography? <laughs> Man, it's a
1: funny story. Um, 2000, 2001. Okay. So, and this story makes no sense, but this is true. <laughs> I, it doesn't make it. It doesn't make any sense to me either. But uh, we went to New York uh, in the spring of 2001. Okay, and we and we all know what happened in September of 2001. Yep, in the in the spring of 2001, booked a book, spring break trip to New York, and I bought a Canon elf. elf. Do You remember those? An Elf? A Canon Elf. So <laughs> I don't remember. Okay, so this. okay, you should look at. Does that. it look? Does
0: it look like an Elf?
1: <laughs> no, it looks like, oh, man, a Canon Elf looks like, um, I can't even explain to you, there's nothing that's out right now that's comparable, but a Canon Elf, okay. is an AP, it's an APS format film. Okay. Do you remember that film? Yes. Okay, and, and the cartridge,
0: right? Uh-huh. Good luck it's like a developed now.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, man. So, <laughs> So, we go to New York. I bought a Canon Elf. I took it with me and took like the worst pictures. <laughs> ever.
0: It looks like it well, would take the worst pictures.
1: It was bad, <laughs> but something in my mind told me those pictures actually looked pretty good. Yeah. Which, which <laughs> they were bad. So I told my mom. I said, "Hey, I kind of like you know photography. I want to get a Canon Rebel." Mm-hmm. And somehow or another, I got like a small tax refund because I worked for my mom during the summer. Okay, I think it was like two hundred bucks. I went and bought this Canon Rebel Ti, I think it was. And you know, it was it was the kit camera, thirty five millimeter. Yeah, I think it had like a thirty five to seventy millimeter zoom lens on it. It was it was whack. F four, but. Yeah. Five six. F5 six. Yeah. And like no no depth of feel or anything. But dude, I I just it, something in me just loved it. I mean, the pictures were s- so bad. Um, <laughs> I'm taking pictures of sunsets and like people driving by my, my street. So I'm getting like the the brick light streaks, Yeah, you know, I'm doing these yeah, yeah. these long exposures. Yeah. Um and even though the stuff was bad, I just stuck with it. So anyway, um, it kind of started like my junior year of high school, yeah, 2001. And I went to college and uh, was taking pictures and somebody was like, yo, these are pretty good, okay. Have you ever thought about working for the newspaper? No. <laughs> and so uh, I was strongly encouraged to, to be the photography editor for the newspaper. That's awesome. Now, by this time, I had purchased like a Nikon F100. Okay. Which, which in 2001 was second only to the F5. I don't know if you've ever seen a Nikon F5. But yeah. It's like fifty pound camera. I mean, I'm exaggerating. Yeah. But it's like a tank. No, like, I, ha- I have
0: an F4, so I'm I'm, you, okay. I'm familiar. <laughs> yeah. I mean, these are like
1: these are war cameras. Yeah. You know, what they what they take to Afghanistan, right? And people are still shooting film. Long story short, man, I became the photography editor for my college paper, which gave me a huge boost in confidence. Yeah. And so I was covering all the stuff on campus. Mind you, the photographs still really weren't that good. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't. Um, but I was doing personal work, too. Uh-huh. I didn't know it was called personal work then, but that's what I was doing. Yeah. And my sophomore year of college, we submitted all of our work to what was it was like the college journalist association it was a it was an organization that basically gave college journalists an outlet and i won two awards for editorial photographs no way yeah they were not they were not news photos but they were editorial photos that that we ran on the back page of the newspaper i won first and second place in one category (laughs) and i was like either you guys didn't get a whole lot of submissions (laughs) or like Or, like, this is some really solid work. Yeah, yeah. And so it just kept going, man. And um, I just kept getting good feedback. And I look at that stuff now. It wasn't very good, but for the time, I guess relative to everything else that was going on around me, it was good enough. Yeah. And I just just kept falling in love with with photography over and over and over again. Yeah. And my technical expertise was pretty much non existent. I shot on. Aperture priority. Yeah. If I was if I was feeling risky, right? <laughs> and I would shoot on auto when I wasn't comfortable. I didn't understand how to use my camera, uh, but I loved it. Yeah. Which was a weird place to be. Yeah. Um, I was creating good photographs, but I didn't really know why. Interesting. And I wasn't in a place where I could have recreated the photograph, even had you put me in the same circumstances because I didn't quite know the technical aspects of why I was getting good images. Yeah. And the other thing that was crazy, I look back on now, most of my film, I was having scanned, but also printed. And you know what happens when you print it like, well, not anymore, but like back in the day, a wolf, they would always compensate for your exposure. Right. So I thought my exposures were good. <laughs> they were just, they were making them look good. So I didn't know that half of my stuff Probably wasn't exposed well. Yeah, you know, it was just, but it was probably good for my ego sure. that I didn't know that because um, I probably would have quit. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, man, and I guess that was two thousand four or five, and I quit taking pictures in two thousand six. Oh wow! Yeah.
0: What happened?
1: <laughs> Burned out. Really? Yeah, working for a newspaper. Oh, college okay. Paper. Yeah, I mean, doing, I did three years of college, journalism, photojournalism. I just lost my passion, Mm. which is why I think, you know, you listen to, I call him Canlis out of habit, but Jonathan Yeah, if you listen to him talk about personal work, that resonates with me so much, because I remember quitting photography, because I didn't have a personal outlet. Yeah. Everything I shot had a very specific purpose. Yeah. And I lost my love for it. So I put my camera, I literally put my camera on a shelf. I think the battery's corroded. It sat there so long and it just sat for five years. Mm. Dang. uh, Picked it up a little bit later. We can talk about that at some point. (laughs) Sorry for the long explanation. No, that's 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 pretty much, man, pretty much how it happened. That's awesome.
0: That's, yeah. um, So I went, I was, I didn't finish college, but um, I was an Arabic and journalism like double major, and yeah. um, well, I guess I didn't really major in either of them. So I was, you know, but that's what I was going for, um, yeah. and like photojournalism, man, like that's that's where my heart is. Like Robert Frank, yeah. or not, not Robert Frank. Um, well, Robert Frank, obviously, but um, you know, Eugene Smith, like mm-hmm. his work is like it gives me goosebumps every time like i'm just like what like what a killer dude
1: and you need to know and
0: you need that right
1: you need you need those people who who are speaking the language you're trying to learn yeah and i find that some photographers do it for you in a way that others don't like i don't even know who eugene smith is i'm terrible when it comes to like big name photographers like i'm not the guy to ask and people are like oh who inspires you i've got like five people who I actually whose work i know well enough to answer that question honestly Mm -hmm. um but i'm gonna look him up now i mean so
0: oh yeah i'll send you some stuff
1: yeah (laughs) please do man like i'm i'm still i'm still learning about who a lot of big name photographers whose names i've heard whose work i don't know intimately yeah i want to buy their books yeah I think the benefit to not having been overexposed, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's, a, that's a plug for you, right? Um, if there's a benefit though that to not having been immersed in other people's work is that I don't mimic a lot of other people. Yeah. Um and like on the Find in the Box takeover last week, I pointed out my two biggest influences. And if you know if you know either of their work, you can see it. Yeah. Um but outside of that, there's nobody who I have in my head or that I've had in my head whose work I was trying to mimic, yeah. um, at least not, not in this phase of my life. When I was in college, there was one guy who was my hero and, um, he actually hit me on Instagram last week. This was no almost way. 20 years. Ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, almost 20 years ago we talked and he gave me some really good advice. that stuck with me and he's a Washington post photographer. Okay. And, um, But since since kind of moving away from photojournalism, you know, I I haven't really been too deep in anybody's work. I want to learn more though. I think I'm comfortable with my own voice now as a photographer. Yeah. So I feel feel okay about studying other people's works. I don't think it's gonna just infiltrate what I'm trying to do. For sure. Yeah, Yeah. I
0: feel like your voice is so strong. Nothing's gonna penetrate that. You. yeah so um one of them is vivian Mayer. meyer yeah Mayer.
1: i think it's Mayer. I, i've heard both okay. i say meyer but okay. i've heard both who, who let's go with meyer
0: i like that sure sure
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh man what do i start I, do, you want, do you want me to respond yeah to go or...
0: for it go for it so okay here i'll, I'll give you a little prompt um
1: yeah like Hold on one second. Let me get some water. Okay. I don't I
0: wanna be flow You're all good.
2: (laughs) Hold on a second.
1: All right. Yeah, there's like dryness in my throat, which yeah. overcome. Yeah, I got
0: I got a big one. So nice. Gotta keep it going. Um yeah, I guess um. So she's she's clearly brilliant, right? Like you look at work and she's definitely brilliant. Um, and maybe she just took a lot of photos. That that could be it as well. Like, I don't know. I haven't seen all the photos, but Either way, she's she's done a consistently fantastic job.
1: Seen her earlier stuff, yeah. It's
0: it, it's empty. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I've seen better. Um, <laughs> but what 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 stands out most to you?
1: I have to pick a thing, or can I pick a combination can, of things?
0: You can just keep on talking out.
1: <laughs> it's it's the combination of her subjects, subject matter, okay. and the and the dignity that she brought to people who I think could have easily been exploited mm. by another photographer. Mm. So I think, and I I I'll, I'll give you an example of what I mean. There's a there's a photograph that I don't think I've ever showed publicly. And I think I've never showed it because I don't feel right about showing it. Mm. In Atlanta, there's a... Um, our city is kind of... The city of Atlanta, at least the the downtown area or the in-town area is kind of broken up into three parts. You've got what well, people from out of town would call uptown, which is basically Buckhead. And then you've got Midtown and you've got downtown. Downtown is like the forgotten part of Atlanta. Okay, very little, Very little investment. It's relatively. It's very rundown. People don't. So one day, I went on a photo walk with this film group in Atlanta, and there was a guy who was obviously inebriated, possibly homeless, wasn't really coherent. And I remember somebody in our group walking up to him, invading his space, taking a photo, and walking off. Mm-hmm. And it angered me. Yeah. Because here was a man who deserved to be asked if he could, if you could make that photograph. And instead she took the photograph, mm. right? And then I think there's a difference between making photographs and taking photographs. She took a photograph and she walked off. She didn't care about him as a person.
2: Mm.
1: So when I look at, and I actually took a photo. I asked for permission. I think I gave him like five bucks. and I, he, he said, yeah, I took the photo. And there's still something very exploitative to me about the photo hmm. because I knew that the $5 I gave him was still less than what he probably deserved hmm. to have just on the strength of being a human being, right? And I don't know, it didn't feel like a fair exchange. So, anyway, I'll say, I'll it say, I say I like to say, look at Vivian Meyer's work. If you look at the photographs she took on the south side of Chicago of the people she took photographs of in their circumstances, she did an amazing job of not making those people, <laughs> those people, she made it <laughs> terrible. She did an amazing job of making her subjects as dignified yeah. as someone who lived on the north side of Chicago mm-hmm. and was wealthy. That's not easy to do. Because a lot of times as photographers, I think we're drawn to this sense of otherness, mm-hmm. you know, the, the National Geographic approach to photography is like exotic and unknown and, yeah. and rather than shining a spotlight on it, you're actually making a spectacle of people. Mm-hmm. And there's, a, there's a difference. Yeah, She didn't make a spectacle of people who maybe were poor or, or in, in difficult circumstances. She, she photographed people in a way that said, yes, I'm going to capture you where you are and maybe where you are is not where you want to be, but you're still human. yeah, and I want that I want that humanity to come through in the photograph. Yeah. So I've never articulated that before. But I think that's why I've always been drawn to her work. Mm -hmm. I don't see a woman who was leaving a cushy lifestyle, which we know she didn't leave. Right. And coming down to communities, she wouldn't otherwise spend time in to take photos of people for the sake of, you know, doing anything other than to say, these are people who live in the same city. Yeah is wealthy people and you know, I wanna dignify their existence. Yeah. That's what I see when I see her work. I haven't seen every photograph she's ever taken. Sure. There are a few that stand out to me. Yeah. One is of the African American woman who I believe is at a bus stop. And she just has this regal presence about her.
2: Mm.
1: I don't know the woman's socioeconomic status, but a black woman mid twentieth century. You can imagine that even if she had money, she was considered an equal citizen in most people's eyes. Right. And yet the photograph just, oh, it, it just, it elevates her, man, Yeah. you know? And I could make accounts of other photographs of children, of even people who, there's a photo of a guy in a phone booth, like that's old school, right? A phone booth. <laughs> the entire right side of his face is disfigured
2: mm-hmm.
1: and he's making a phone call. It looks like he was maybe in world war one or two. It's almost like his skin melted,
2: mm.
1: um, but he survived, whatever. And again, the photo does not look as though she is exploiting this man's physical mm. uh, uh,
0: Deformity or, you know,
1: ailment. Yeah, or... Thank you. Yeah, it's ailment. It, ah, I'm having a hard time putting in the words, That's I think, okay. but <laughs> it's, it's... she she just had a gift, I think, of doing that. Um, yeah. And just, and just the breadth of her subject matter is the interesting. As you look at what she cared about during a certain decade, like she's got some of the most amazing portraits I've ever seen. Fast forward ten years, she's taking pictures of garbage cans,
2: yeah,
1: with like newspapers and yeah. That's a very strange <laughs> shift, yep. shift yep. in subject matter. Yep. That I'll be honest, that that work does not move it, does not do anything for me. <laughs> um, and I'm not sure exactly where she was, sure, In her in her own mental state when yeah. she took those photographs. But yeah. even then, she was she was trying to say something, yeah, but yeah. but all of yeah, all the all of the pictures that she's taken of people. Oh man, they, they just they just do something for me. Absolutely, yeah. yeah.
0: I think I think there's something because uh, do you know Diane Arbus? Um, she had she had the same kind of f- somewhat feel to her work. Like her work is a little bit more grotesque, or like you know she would depict people in a a slightly she would necessarily well, okay, what am I trying to say? She she would I- emphasize those those things, but you could tell you can tell whenever you look at the photo, she doesn't mean harm there. Right. right? And like and she's she's just portraying them as people which happen to have these things. Like she did a whole bunch of like carnies and like mm-hmm. all their their crazy stuff. Um and then a lot of work with mentally ill um kids.
1: And how does she get that kind of access to you? I have no.
0: Well, she was so she was, um, she was kind of a big deal. Um, she was in what like Harper's Bazaar and like she was a fashion right. photographer, so she could probably just go wherever she wanted. She had a yeah, lot of connections. Um, now Vivian didn't clearly mm-hmm. like she was just a nanny her entire life, and like I think there's something. Well, so relating Arbus to Mayor. Um, Arbus was not the best in the head, and mm-hmm. I think I think Vivian also had some of her own issues that she was dealing with too. Yeah, and so I sure. think I think that helps a lot when when you are feeling I am other, like it helps you document people that are seen as other. Yeah. You know, um, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Yeah, so yeah, I I mean she's yeah I I th- yeah I think Vivian is an amazing amazing photographer. Um, there's a there was a documentary I watched where um, it, you know she might not have been the best nanny. <laughs> no, I own that
1: documentary, and and according to the kids, she nannied for. <laughs> yeah, <sighs> she
0: wasn't nice, but.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: But but I'm also like, but also maybe I mean. I don't know. I didn't grow up during that time. Like times might have been just a little bit different. Maybe we just all force fed kids. I don't know.
1: I had my share of people who tried to feed me lime beans. <laughs> I still hate them.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't need them either. It's
1: old school, man. But
0: I'll eat Brussels sprouts any day. And I uh, I, I hated them when I was a kid though.
1: Oh, and some bacon though? Oh yeah. <laughs> I had some blue cheese or something. I had some, I had some Brussels sprouts in New Orleans that I've still been dreaming of. They were <laughs> amazing. Yeah. yeah, but yeah,
0: yeah, but yeah. I think I think we need that. Like you said, like we need those people that cause us to stop dead in our tracks and just like consume as much of their work as possible, and just go, yeah. how how did they do this? How in the <laughs> world did they do this? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: And I you know, I don't know if you do this at all, but I think subconsciously I want to create work that if nothing else, my kids one day will look back and be like, yo, dad was nice with a kid. Yep, yeah, yep, yep. You know, and it's weird because I don't the very few things I've ever done for the sake of recognition. And I definitely don't photograph now for the recognition of, for anyone to recognize me or to celebrate me. It is very cool for someone to show love for your work. But I think deep down what I want is for my kids to be able to see themselves in photos that aren't snapshots. Like, know have got pictures of me as a kid. Right. They're, they're so silly, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And yeah. I thought, oh, man, like, they're cool. But I look at the pictures of my kids and the personality shines through. And I'm trying to create artifacts for them, yeah, that they'll be um, happy to hold on to, yeah, you know, and that when they move from house to house when they're adults, they're like, "Where's that album? Yeah, that dad gave me, yeah, you know, like don't want to lose that so that's I think that's part of what I'm trying to do um, yeah, but there's another part of me that wants to get outside of my domestic Mm -hmm. surroundings Mm -hmm. and to try my hand at something else because truthfully when you photograph the same people over four or five years there's a level of comfort that comes with that right that that makes the pictures a little easier to take yeah but when you want to test your chops it's like could i recreate so when people are like hey would you photograph my family i'm not always sure yeah if what if what they actually are hiring me for i can do for them because mm. i've i've created a rapport with my own kids over years yeah and so the photos as technically sound as they may be a lot of what's coming through is trust yeah my kids trust me familiarity they know me I bribe them sometimes, right? It's like, <laughs> <Yeah. Yep. laughs> hey, I'll, I'll buy you something. That that you can't create that in an hour and a half for somebody else's family. No, it's, you know. It's, so I think yeah. sometimes I balk at the idea or even the opportunity to do it for someone else because, as brilliant as like John is, with kids and I see his work. Yeah, I've done enough family photo shoots to know. That's not easy to do. I and mean, when people are paying you $750, $800, they want you to deliver.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know yeah. <laughs> if I'm that kind of person. <laughs> so I think I like the idea of creating my own work and trying to figure out what other lanes I can step into yeah. to do that. Yeah. Just do what I want to do, yeah. but that's not photographing my kids. And I don't know what that is yet.
0: Huh. Huh. Maybe get back into the newspaper.
1: Oh Maybe I don't. Man, I would love to do something that's different because uh-huh. everybody's everybody's in the digital space. Like the one guy, I don't even know his his last name, but photos, Frank? Photo, photo Dre.
0: Oh, photo Dre
1: up in New York. In New York, yeah, yeah. The dude is ill, man. Yep. You know, and he still shoots film, even mm-hmm. though he's submitting his stuff to the New York Times or whatever. Yeah. Yep. So there's still an appetite for what comes through in a film photograph. Yep. So I look at his work, I'm like, yo. <laughs> you know, I, I, I mean, his skill set is is he's clearly a street photographer. Yeah. And I've dabbled not with a lot of success. Yeah. And I don't even think I want to do street photography, but I do want to do some type of documentary photography. Yeah. Like environmental portraits. Yeah. Something like that. Those are so a little powerful. bit of that. Yeah. Oh man. I love that kind of work. Yeah. Because it's it's controlled. Yeah but not so controlled that you feel like you're in a studio. Yeah. You know, with your strobes and your remote flashes and all that kind of new triggers. And... Right. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: There's a, there's a photo I saw of Peter Dre with like, I don't know, he had like six or he probably had like four. I'm exaggerating. It was like four Leicas. It was too many Leicas for, you know, to be <sighs> on one person's neck, but
1: <laughs> like, okay, yeah. cool, man. Yeah, like, and what do you what do you fit to the world with a, a roller that has twelve frames? You know, and yeah, but I'm very selective with those twelve. There you so. go. Yeah, we going to give it a shot one day and see what happens. Yeah.
0: Oh man. Well, okay. So you know, in my experience of doing trying to do street with a TLR, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's amazing. Um, they say like. You know, street's supposed to be like discreet and you're not supposed to draw attention to yourself or whatever, but not with a TLR. Not with a TLR. Yeah. Well and also People there's are... there's plenty of New York street photographers that like use yeah. off camera flash and then just like you know get a... I've seen that. Yeah. It's so intrusive. It's so intrusive. Very New York of them, right? So maybe it sits the scene, but like that would not fly in Austin. <laughs> no. in Atlanta
1: you would you might get Hurt, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we're seven, but we're not that hospitable, <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, but but it kind of helps you like having a TLR. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if you're not like if you get rid of the I'm supposed to be like just a fly on the wall here, because people, the moment they see a TLR, they're just like,
2: Oh, oh, I've seen
0: that, uh, you know, and they're just instantly they're in a better mood than they were before they saw you which is like that is true really cool
1: that is absolutely true i think that is also the reason why i think it can be harder to shoot with one because (laughs) people are like oh tell me about your camera Mm i have told more people about this camera (laughs) than i care to remember (laughs) and the funny thing is (laughs) people are like so does it make digital images? I'm like, really? Doesn't it look as old as it is? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Like, where does the picture come out? You don't This is not yeah, a polar yeah, camera. Yeah.
0: Yeah, people don't get it. I mean, yeah. I was I was in uh San Diego at La Jolla Beach and I had my TLR on me and this old man stopped me and he was like, I used to shoot that. I shot, I shot that, and I was like, "Oh, awesome! You want to, you want to take a picture?" And he's he like, "Oh, I wouldn't dare, but good for you." And I was like, "Oh, thanks, man." Whippersnapper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like, th- those like those moments warm my heart. Whenever it's like some you know seventy-year-old guy being like,
1: oh, "I remember those." Yeah, like, and he's not lying, man. Right. Like, you know, in the fifties, the forties, and fifties, like. Yeah, of course you did because yeah. people were well, not only shooting on TLRs, but they were shooting black and white mostly because color wasn't really that affordable or accessible. Yeah. Um and in some ways I hate that there's been a film, you know, revival because cameras that were affordable are just ridiculously expensive now. Yep. It's- Arms, like, man, I missed I missed that boat. I mean I I got this camera. Fortunately, for I guess a fair price, <laughs> but had I gotten it three years earlier, I would have been dirt cheap, yeah. Relatively, you know, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, yeah, what, what blows my mind is like the G2s. I don't, I don't know, I'm, I don't really shoot with anything like that, you know, like the
1: G2s that context,
0: context G2, yeah.
1: Uh, oh yeah, just that the, those are range finders right
0: yeah it's a range finder but it's 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 not manual focus so you, it's basically kind of like a point and shoot yeah
1: I've seen those I don't understand why they're so expensive me either
0: is it the glass? I think the glass is really really nice Zeiss glass right mm-hmm. but I don't know yeah. But there's but there's so many of those there's like those point and shoots like those little Olympus ones those are super expensive too it's like
1: yeah, because Why? there is a this is gonna sound Hopefully, this doesn't sound dismissive at all. Because Drake took a photo with one. I think I think people are in love with the novelty of it.
2: Uh,
1: and point and shoot cameras have never really been like no. great cameras quality wise, but there's something about popping in a roll of film, yeah, looking through that weird viewfinder yeah. and didn't click you know and yeah i don't know man i don't knock it but I because i went through that same phase of buying cameras because they were like cool or trendy yeah I, I bought a minolta um what is it it's a minolta <laughs> range finder um, such a strange camera i can't remember is the it the model. uh cle maybe it was basically trying to compete with the Canonet, oh. and you remember the ca- you've seen the Canonettes. yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it was it was a, a it was a competitor, but it was way bigger and clunky. And oh, okay, anyway, I mean, I went through that phase, and I realized I couldn't get good with anything because uh, I was picking up a new camera every day. Yeah, because I like the idea of it, right? But shooting with a rangefinder versus shooting with an SLR couldn't be more different.
0: Yep. Um,
1: And I've never shot with a nice rangefinder, so maybe I don't know what I'm missing. But, um, yeah, man, like the Roly, it's the only camera I shoot with. Yeah. For for better or for worse. I mean, it's it's all I got. I mean, I do have a Pentax 645 in that feels like a a dumbbell (laughs) in my hand. I mean, the thing is... yeah, I'll give we were shot one of those, <laughs> but the the uh film the film advance sounds like the motor on it is just loud and yeah I never connected with that camera even though the images are ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well you, you don't like it's, develop wrist problems after a while.
1: It's yeah, <laughs> it's it's a it's a strange I don't know, I think like like a spouse. You just connect it with mm. certain cameras. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that one I bought it because I felt like I should have it. Uh, not I didn't buy it because it was gonna work for what I was trying to do. Yeah. Bad yeah. reason to buy a camera, I guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think I think well, just kind of circling back to the G two, I think I remember at some point Drake was seen with the G2. <clears throat> I think that might really? yeah. I think that might have <laughs> to like that might have like upped the, you know, kids these days.
1: <laughs> Seriously. I mean
0: And then I think well, Kardashian had one too. I don't know which Kardashian, but one of them. Doesn't matter. Oh,
1: but <laughs> man. Yeah. just inflating yeah. inflating the prices. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, so we talked about uh Vivian. Let's mm-hmm. talk about some inspiration outside of this medium.
1: Okay. Where, what, where um, do you
0: go first for inspiration?
1: Man, so there's a producer who passed away in 2006. Who went by Jay Dilla. I don't know you've heard of him. Uh-huh. One of the greatest men yep. to ever to ever do it in terms of like hip hop. And just as a person, he was a huge inspiration for me as an aspiring music producer, but even now as a photographer. And it's not because like music necessarily translates well to like, the photographic medium, but seeing people who excel at what they do and pouring themselves into their, their thing. Is, has always been a source of inspiration for me. Yeah. So even if like I don't enjoy painting, I'm terrible at painting, Sure. I can appreciate a painter like Basquiat, right? <clears throat> I actually don't get his stuff at all, but he was dedicated to his craft. Mm. And he committed to his style and he committed to being himself. Yeah. And For people, I think, who are creatives like us, there's a period of time where I think most of us are mimicking somebody. Mm -hmm. And if I had to compare it to anything, I'd say that's like being a butterfly, excuse me, being a caterpillar, kind of working your way into a cocoon. Mm -hmm. You're not what you're going to be. You're becoming what you're going to be. Right. And that that period of imitation is important. But then you have to decide: Are you once you start finding your voice, are you going to commit to your voice? And it's like, okay, you're a butterfly now. Are you going to fly? Yeah. Or are you going to act like you're still a caterpillar? Right. And every, every creative has to decide if they're going to cross that threshold of being who they're they're wired to be. Yeah. So like a like a a guy like Jay Dilla, the stuff he was doing musically was not being done. And what that usually what that does to the average person is it makes them shrink. Yep. Because we judge ourselves based on how close we are to what everybody else is doing. Yeah. But a person like Jay Dilla or for a more common household name, a Prince. Yeah. A Michael Jackson. Right. These were not normal people. No. And I don't mean that in a in a degrading way. I mean compared to everybody else. Right their peers, they were very different. Yeah. But it was their commitment to being excellent. Yeah. The the most excellent version of themselves they could be. Yeah. I think is what propelled them to greatness. Yeah. And what if everybody committed to that?
0: Man. Like, I'm going to
1: be like, I'm going to be the best Mason I can possibly be. Right. That that means you will have very little competition. Right. In, in your lane. Right. Because you carved it out so specific yep. to what it is you do, nobody right. can touch you. Yeah. So, I look at people like that man who like just carved out their own space and said, "I'm gonna do me because nobody else can."
2: yeah,
1: so I think with my work, it took me a long time to figure out what I wanted to do, and I don't mean to suggest that nobody could take great pictures of their family. It's just that I know. The way I approach my work is unique to my personal experiences. Yeah, um, it's the fruit of the work I put in to get better, and I have to be able—I have to be okay with it. Yeah, and um, when other people like you or anybody else can find the box compliments the work, it's validating. Mm-hmm. It's so validating because I'd rather somebody say, yo, Rob, that's a great photo. And somebody say, you know, that photo really reminds me of, because then it's like, oh, I'm still in that place of imitation. I haven't quite owned my own space yet. Yeah. Um, So I take a lot of inspiration from musicians. It's funny, man, like over the last few days, I was thinking about that question. And Gordon Parks, who I know is a photographer, (laughs) kind of doesn't answer the question the way you asked it. But I find inspiration from him as a person more so than a photographer Mm -hmm. because his work, the work that I knew him for, I did not realize was rooted in experiences that would influence the way he would photograph the world. Um, Mm. And so I think that people who've experienced deep pain Hardship, uh, struggle—I mm-hmm. find really fascinating. Because mm-hmm. my life has not been anything like that. Mm-hmm. So the question is: What if you had? If, if if that can spur a person into greatness, what do I, as a person who's had a fairly comfortable life, what's deep down on the inside of me mm-hmm. that I have to locate? That can take me to that next level. Yeah. So, people who have struggled have things they can latch on to and people who haven't struggled had have to find other ways to you know motivate themselves and to yeah. just dig to be great. Yeah. Uh, I'm still searching yeah. on some days, man, yeah. but that's that's kind of where I find inspiration.
0: Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Jay Della man. Um when when so for those not in the know, um he when he died, um they located mm-hmm. oh was it two was it two storage units or just one he had beats
1: for days man i don't but like the records what, yeah
0: yeah
1: i never heard the story about his record collection oh
0: like, yeah so i think um what it came up that like the the rent stopped being paid on these storage units i think it was two and mm-hmm. it was all of his records right but then it also had all of his masters in there too that hadn't been released. And so they're still like going through them and releasing them, which is like
1: so cool. But all of his posthumous work, man, yeah. um, all of it. Yeah. There's different record labels were putting stuff out. And it just, it's hard to explain to people who either don't know who he is or don't appreciate that type of music. Yeah, he was a genius, and I don't use that word lightly. Yeah, oh, but he was 100%. a genius level yeah. producer. Yeah.
0: Well, in the work ethic, like uh, like the same same level work exactly. ethic as Prince. Like exactly, the dude just exactly. cranked it out.
1: Yeah, and and from what I understand, man, he was toting around forty fives <laughs> as a three year old. So like, there are records around wow. his house, and of all the things he could have picked up, you know, as a as a three year old. He's toting records That's so under cool. his arm. I have a three-year-old son. He likes snacks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious, man. He's always looking for snacks. So I think he might be a chef one day or something. Yeah. But this kid was toting around, you know, records. I'd have to figure out what to do with that. My oldest son loves photography. That's good. I, I gave him my Canon AE-1 program oh, yeah. when, when he was three. He he. he and I, I walked him through it in about a minute and a half, two minutes. He's been taking pictures ever since. Wow, it was almost three years ago.
0: That's awesome.
1: Just it clicked for him. So you never, you never know, man. Yeah. Like I
0: love, know. I love I um, love. Yeah, my, so my six year old. I it's like one of my favorite things to do is to give him a camera and just get the roll back and see like from his perspective. You're like, oh man, this is interesting. <laughs>
1: Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, he's shorter for one, <laughs> Yeah. But then we all have a different reason to to hit the shutter. Yeah. So a six year old is making a decision about why this was worth taking a picture of. And yeah. It's, it's worth sitting and thinking about, like, why? Why did you take that picture? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these are nerd like photo nerd questions. Right. right. <laughs> but
0: but but there's something to it, right? Like, why do any of us take pictures? like there needs to be like some sort of either either it is i know i don't know either it's there's an emotional connection that you you're like you're drawn to take this image or it's i know that this composition would be good
1: right it's funny cuz the latter
0: almost never enters into my mind
1: it doesn't yeah it's, that's always the former. Yeah. And my wife asked me tonight. We were going through some of the the, the thoughts for this conversation. And I said, "You know." She said, "Why do you why do you take pictures?" And I said, "To freeze time." Mm. She said that, she said, you said that as long as I've known you." Yeah, that's oh, I've always taken pictures because yeah. I know I have a terrible memory for one. Oh, okay except for very esoteric facts that nobody cares about. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Like, I remember stuff that's in an almanac, like just random stuff. But yep. I don't I don't remember some of the things that happened in the back of our van. I wouldn't remember them without the photo. Yeah. And you've seen your kids grow up, man. It's fast. Yeah. It's 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 exciting and it's 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 sad at the same time.
2: Yeah,
1: and these photos transport me back in time. I remember the day my daughter was born because it was only eight months ago, roughly. <laughs> there are a lot of details about you know that day that yeah. I don't remember, yeah. and then my middle son, same thing, oldest son, but I've got photos, uh, and I'm like, oh yeah. I it. Yeah, that's good. So, you know, that's part of it at least.
0: That's part of it. Yeah, you would say that's like your big goal or your aim in photography is just to freeze time.
1: You know, I think it, it, it's several things. So I've been trying to pull together all these strands of my creative expression, trying to figure out why. I jump from producing music to photography to whatever. Yeah, um, And what it is, is I have like this creative impulse <laughs> that I have to respond to. So I think on one hand, it's very much a practical way of documenting life and capturing things. The other part of it, it's hard to put in the words, but it's, it's this internal compulsion that I can't control yeah. to create something Yeah. and so what's been interesting is that I've never been able to be <laughs> committed to photography and music at the same time
0: oh interesting
1: so when I put my camera yeah. up in 2006 uh-huh. I went full throttle on music Yeah. until 2011 okay um, and then I, f- I felt myself being pulled back into photography and it was all because I, stem- I stumbled on John's, uh, blog spot, which is like super old. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nobody has a blog spot anymore.
2: Well, yeah.
1: As soon as I saw his work, my passion for music started to, to decline. That's interesting. And, um, I've never been able to juggle boat because I'm, I'm very much a hundred percent all in yeah. kind of person. Mm. Uh, I don't multitask well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, man, th- that desire to create has, uh, has everything to do with why I, I'm a photographer. It's, it's a rush. Yeah. I mean, like hitting the shutter, Thinking I got it, but not being sure, uh-huh. and having having to wait to get it oh, back. Yeah, and and you know, opening, downloading the files, and saying that yeah, I got it. Yeah, it's such an amazing feeling.
0: Just all the smiles. Yep. <laughs>
1: and most people, most people are like, "What? Yeah. Like, that makes no sense to me." Yeah. But opening a fresh box of film. Yeah. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's just like. Like, um, <laughs> this, oh, this, yeah. life, this makes me so happy. Yeah. Um, again, man, it's, uh, I'm using that at a loss for words. <laughs> but, for, but how I feel about photography is difficult for me to, to put into, uh, into words. And it's, it's been so rewarding yeah. for me on so many levels. It's taken me places. I got to go to Israel. Awesome, uh, Poland and Israel in between my junior and senior year as a photojournalist. Wow. So it, it's taken me places. It has been personally rewarding. Yeah. It has, um, it's done a lot for me, man. So but at the end of the day, it's just, it's, it's trying to do something fresh uh, that I think will add some value to the world. Yeah, and just you know, just be a creative person. I mean, if you and I you know, talk through all the things I enjoy, there's only one hobby I have. that's random. Everything else is kind of connected. Okay. Yeah. What? Do you want to know what it? hobby is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm a big firearms enthusiast. Really? Okay.
0: Yeah. Um. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. I have, I have one gun. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I only have two. Okay,
1: okay, yeah,
0: okay. So you yeah. got me deep. So, but... so,
1: my enthusiasm is limited by like money. Okay. But I mean, if money were not an object, I'd probably have an entire room full
0: of guns. So, you, uh, so what, what, what draws you to guns? Is it the like uh, craftsmanship of like it being oh. made, or is it the like the shooting think... of it? I think I just realized that it's not as random as I thought. Shooting guns is fun, though.
1: Shooting guns (laughs) is fun. But what drew me to guns from the beginning was the aesthetic. Yep. So now I'm realizing it's not as random as I thought. Yeah. There's an artistic element to it Mm -hmm. that um, I've always been attracted to. Yeah. So I see people who are firearms enthusiasts, and they buy guns because of the way they shoot. And I'm like, that is the ugliest gun I've ever seen. Yeah. I don't care how accurate it is. I wouldn't buy it because of it. so I like. I like. <laughs> it's crazy, but when you asked the question, I was like, "Oh, I'm not random." Yeah. Um, it is. I think it's the power. Uh, the, the control. Yeah. Chaos of a firearm. Yeah. Um, I, I love the way guns look, and there's something about. Controlled chaos, all in this compact. You know, most firearms today that people carry are polymer frames. So I'll say this: controlled chaos of a polymer frame tool. Yeah, that can be used for fun, and self-defense. In a worst-case scenario, I mean, I'm more of an enthusiast because I enjoy shooting guns. Like I don't, I don't have a hero complex or any type of desire to be in a fire or anything. <laughs> um, some people are out here kind of like sure. crazy like that. Yeah. But I don't know, man, there's something, something cool about trying to hit a target 25 yards downrange. Yeah. And seeing if you can do it. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, it's like shooting a camera in low light. Can you, can you get it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, without having a blurry image
2: yeah.
1: or an underexposed image, same kind of challenge to me. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but i'm terrible i'm not really
0: good at shooting <laughs> my pistol shotgun is not too hard, but yeah <laughs> shotguns good i yeah, um like, so you know before all this i build guitars and um i would do inlay work which is basically like you take um either like abalone which is the shell or like pearl or or something like that and then you would you know route something out and then lay it in there and it Make it make it look pretty, right? Okay. Um, so I'd have that in like the headstock, and then we would often oftentimes send that out to a guy named Weldon Lister, and I'll send you his info after we're done here. Um, and he did engraving, and so hmm. he would his specialty was engraving on guns.
1: And oh no, he was good.
0: It is the most legit work I've ever seen, ever. Yeah, like it is. Mind blowing, and he all he did it all by hand, like just with like a little hammer and then a little little chisel. It oh, amazing. it is so cool. Um, so yeah, I love that
1: kind of stuff, man. Yeah, I mean, there are people with thousand dollar crystals, they don't shoot, yep, because they're just they're works of art. Yeah. Did you ever see Romeo and Juliet with Leonardo DiCaprio? I don't think so. Don't need to watch okay. it. Okay, you Google. <laughs> If you Google their swords, uh-huh. check that out. Okay. So you know they, they tried to translate Shakespeare, 16th century, I guess Shakespeare, into a modern day you know version. And so clearly, nobody in 1998 is carrying a sword, right? But they all had they all had pistols. Okay. But the pistols have been modified by gunsmiths to be just I mean. Elaborate gold and pearl, yeah. and like open face um, grips, so you could see a oh, magazine. Interesting. I mean, amazing stuff, man. So, like, if you're into the aesthetics of firearms, yeah, one of the coolest movies in that respect. Movies, what you'd expect for Shakespearean play <laughs> in the modern day setting, sure. <laughs> but the way they, the way they incorporated some of the the guns as Swords, so to speak, which is what they call them. Yeah, beautiful stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think I think something that like it's the same thing with mechanical gamers for me, is like hmm. the, it, or clocks. Like it's it's all like so yeah. finely tuned that it's just like, yeah. oof, that is yeah. that is like I don't even know how someone thought that up. Like right. yeah, it blows my mind. Right,
1: yeah. That's how I felt about the inside of a flags i have seen them disassemble. Yeah, and you know what? Mm-mm. I would never take this thing apart. <laughs> yeah. yeah, springs start flying everywhere. Yeah,
0: so. I'm uh, I'm tempted to get into the repair side of cameras because I think it needs to be something that we start to learn. Otherwise, the medium dies. You know?
1: You're absolutely right. I mean, but uh, I nervous. repaired that also It was hard. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean but I didn't know what I was doing. I had no manual. I was just trying to piece it back together the way I thought it should work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Man, I didn't see guns coming, but that was good.
1: I figured you wouldn't this is why I wanted
0: but I can hang it's, it's, I can hang. I'm from the south. Like it's not like I have never yeah, talked about guns yeah. before.
1: <laughs> it's a, it's just random. I mean, my background I didn't go all the way into my background, but it's not consistent with my Background, you know? oh, yeah, no, I mean, no, <laughs> it's random, so I don't really bring it up around most people because I don't want the side eye. Oh, sure, um, <laughs> yeah, even on the south, people get it, right? Um, but like, communications guy, yeah, my educational background, all that kind of stuff. I'm the last person you think would be a gun enthusiast, which kind of makes it fun, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Um, in the last five years, do you have a belief or like a um, behavior habit that's, has improved your life for the better?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Plant-based eating.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah. Um, mostly out of necessity. Okay. So five years ago, started experiencing like random inflammation yeah. in my joints. I had no idea why. But at the same time that was happening, we started stumbling across these movies, Forks Over Knives. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of the ones that people probably know best. And this idea of not being vegan, right? Because that, that has ethical implications. You don't wear leather, et cetera. Right. But plant-based diet sure. was something I'd never heard. I knew being vegetarian, I knew being vegan. I knew it couldn't be vegan. And they like, I wear wool. I wear leather shoes. Right. And I like and I like cheese, so like I'm not doing that. <laughs> um but I stumbled on this idea of like eating mostly plants uh-huh. and yeah, like cutting out a lot of sugar. By by no means have I committed to that lifestyle. Yeah. But it is far more central to how I eat now than it was five years ago. Yeah. And It's interesting, like I've had some health challenges, very minor health challenges, even since adopting more plant based um, dietary habits. But I've noticed that the more aligned I am with that type of eating, the more quickly I recover from some of the things that I experience. Mm. So I still have inflammation sometimes if I eat the wrong thing.
0: Yeah.
1: If I just commit to like three days of plant based eating that's awesome good yeah and if i if i don't need any animal products at all i have no inflammation so i know that the animal products are causing Mm issues sometimes i'm just like yeah you know what i just want a slice of pizza (laughs) i'll roll the dice today and see what happens yeah yeah it's stupid i mean it sounds crazy to to knowingly i guess poison yourself
0: for that for that (laughs) that momentary mouth pleasure
1: (laughs) yeah 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 you know i do it on occasion but uh, um Yeah, that that has been transformative, man. Like I've always been um, spiritually. I'm a Christian, so that's not like a new thing for me. Um, kind of always been steady in terms of like how I live my life with the dietary thing. Yeah, really made a big difference.
0: Yeah, that's good, man. Yeah, you and Paul McCartney. It's a good, (laughs) good company. Sir, Sir. Oh yeah, Sir Paul. I'm sorry.
1: He's still he's still around, man. You know, he's outlived a lot of people I'm who amazed, I thought
0: lived. I'm amazed. And I'm like, I'm trying to figure out, you know, is it going to be Ringo or is it going to be Paul? You know? <sighs> Who's going to be the last? But probably Paul with, with his plant-based. I mean, I have no idea what Ringo's lifestyle is anymore, but uh, probably, well, probably the, not.
1: Great. the lifespan of day Venice. Most of them are vegetarian, okay. not vegan, yep. is far greater than the average lifespan of of non-vegetarians. Really? I mean, they have a they have a more of a holistic approach to their their diet. Yeah. As I understand it, yeah, they eat no animal products at all. Wow. I think they live like ten years longer. Wow, than most most people, That's like well crazy. into the nineties, in in good health. Not like I'm ninety five and can't can't take care of myself. But yeah ninety five and still rock and roll.
0: That's awesome.
1: So that's a motivation for me. Yeah.
0: To, that's interesting. Yes,
1: a cool great grandfather. Yeah.
0: You know. yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. 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 As cool as I can be when talking about film. They'll be like, what? <laughs>
0: <laughs> or may or maybe there will be a huge resurgence. They're like, teach us everything wow. you know.
1: I would love it. Yeah. it on. yeah,
0: That's good, man. Yeah. So my wife and I um I mean we've done a ton of different things we we hold to a um more Weston a price is like a um, I don't know it's a, it's, a, it's a foundation so this this uh dentist decided to study the um you know the mouths of indigenous people all around the world um yeah. because his daughter i'm gonna butcher this but i think his daughter died of some sort of like tooth decay it, it was a long yeah. time ago um <laughs> dentist's daughter dying of tooth decay it's really really rough um and so he he started studying all these people and realizing that the way that uh, americans specifically eat and this was in like the 40s or 50s is absolute garbage and that was in the 40s and 50s like we've gone way downhill now right yeah um and he so he kind of compiled like this this tribe eats this way and their teeth are perfect you know and like they have no gum disease. They have no anything and they barely brush their teeth. Like, how is this possible? Uh, and it's all because of nutrition and all that stuff. So, um, yeah. Um, that's cool. man. Yeah. So So what does your diet look like? Um, so it's, it's, um, it's a lot of plants. It's probably, I would probably say it's about 80% plants and then we'll, we'll like throw in some, some meat occasionally, but like, um, it's, um, like his thing was like big on liver, like things that we don't typically eat, you know, from, yeah, from like Oregon. Organ yeah. Meat. Because it has yeah. so many vitamins in it that, and also people just think it's gross, but it's really not. Um, but it's, it's just a very, it's a very interesting, I think, I think healing our bodies with what we eat is so powerful and like
1: but empowering. Like right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think was that Hippocrates, no food, would be that medicine. Yeah, yeah. I think.
0: No, I, I that sounds right.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm no philosopher, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that was in. But yeah, I, I've seen firsthand the power of food in a negative sense, but also in a, a pot. My yeah. my wife, my wife um, had some major issues, digestive issues, yeah. some years ago. We traced it back to Chick Fil A. Whoa! Um, Primarily peanut oil, not Chick Fil A specifically, but the the peanut oil was just causing major issues for her. Interesting. So we've we she and I both have had to decide that care about our bodies more than our our palates. Yeah. And our our kids, I think kids instinctively. I don't know if you notice this with your kids, but kids don't really gravitate toward meat. Not naturally. Mm. At least not my kids. So let me not speak for all kids, but my kids didn't have an appetite for meat. Yeah, We'd offer it. They were not interested. but fruit. Yeah. Oh yeah. Vegetables. Right. All day. Yeah. I'm like, is there there something to that? Like, do we, do we force kids to like things that maybe we're not naturally inclined to want to eat? Um, so we eat seafood, we bought some chicken this week, probably the only chicken we buy for the next month. Yeah. Um, we'll eat it. And it'll be another three or four weeks before we even talk about eating it again. Yeah. Uh, and nobody feels like we're deprived, you know? We eat a lot of fruits. Right. I could eat more vegetables. Um, <laughs> but I, I've learned to eat a lot of vegetarian dishes from other countries, so I love Ethiopian food. Mm-hmm. Love indian food yeah um you know the u.s is not exactly known for vegetarian cuisine so nope. you gotta look elsewhere but if you look hard enough mediterranean yeah like uh when i was driving to work there was this place that had this amazing falafel wrap not as fried but yeah can't can't beat man yeah. can't beat falafel It's so good cucumber and you know
0: easily the best thing about being an arabic major is like most of your class is like middle eastern (laughs) so they would just they would just bring all this food to class every single time and it's just like this is heaven
1: (laughs) oh yeah like the my trip to israel i had the privilege of having a um, shabbat dinner with an israeli family in jerusalem on the Sabbath, like in Jerusalem, shuts down. It's yeah. very different because yeah. they're all Orthodox Jews. Right. And uh, the food was just amazing, man. And I thought, this is living. <laughs> Whatever we're doing in the U.S., yeah. getting kids to soccer practice and yeah. violin and eating fast food in between trips to wherever we're going at yeah. home. Yeah. We're killing ourselves. Yep. We didn't even realize it.
0: Yeah. yeah. Slow down. So.
1: Get off my soapbox. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that has been really transformative, man. And I think eventually I'll probably be 100% plant based. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm still holding on to some things, but we just dis- we just discovered not a move. Uh-huh. Uh huh coconut. coconut Life changing, dude. Yeah,
0: it's so <laughs> good. Where has it been hiding? <laughs> it's so
1: good. The consistency is exactly like yeah. dairy ice cream. Yep so yeah. like we're all the way sold on that yeah yeah um, my, my son okay.
0: my son's lactose intolerant and so like that's another reason is like we just don't right. really eat that much stuff and so yeah not a move has been like a game changer or making like our own coconut ice cream coconut milk ice cream yeah.
1: Oof. how's that that's good does it work yeah it works pretty good If i can find a vegan pizza that i can you know get down then i'll probably be good to go that one's tricky <laughs> yeah like vegan cheese is
0: weird-hmm it doesn't really melt <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm like what what is this anyway yeah. <laughs> <Cash> <laughs> yeah we eat we eat like beyond meat burgers and stuff which those things are weird too mm-hmm. so you know there's a spectrum you can be vegan and eat prep yeah which is why sure. i think the whole plant the plant-based movement actually makes more sense yeah because if you're eating plants legit plants not processed plant-based food right. but plants you're just going to be healthier yeah. period yeah you're going to be leaner yeah cholesterol is better all that good stuff right yeah i'm trying to undo 30 years of of habits <laughs> <laughs> to be more committed yeah. i'll get there
0: yeah for sure that's good man like there, there's nothing beats just feeling good on the inside right? because right. whenever you're eating like all this garbage and then you wake up and you're just like Ugh, I guess I'll just continue eating garbage for the rest of the day like I, yeah, was, it... I was traveling for a photo thing that I was doing in Texas I drove like basically all over Texas in six days and that was oh, wow. that was too much. It was like 2800 miles in six days Dude. yeah it's too much but um, <laughs> um, but you know I'm forced to eat on the road. Eating on the road is the worst. Like I just, I'm, s- good. I'm still recovering. I'm like two days back. I'm like. I and so d- Texas is home
1: to Whataburger, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. <laughs> you eat that or no?
0: I don't really like Whataburger.
1: Okay, people rave about it, but I've never had. Nah, I don't
0: listen to them. It's not that good.
1: <laughs> okay. I don't beef, so yeah, wouldn't matter anyway. Yeah. I get <laughs> beef gives me major problems, like. Can't walk in the morning. Dang. My knees are swollen. Whoa. Yeah. Beef has uric acid in it.
2: Oh.
1: And so uric acid causes arth- arthritic flare-ups. So I don't have arthritis per se, like yeah. chronic arthritis. Yeah. But, but my body responds to certain foods as though I do have arthritis. Huh. So yeah, like my knee will swell up, like double the size, like crazy stuff. And it took me a couple of years to figure out why it was happening. once i figured it out
0: that's terrifying
1: yeah like eating a burger no bueno Uh. like no thanks can't do it and i love steak all of that stuff yeah the pain is there's no food that good no yeah
0: yeah yeah i um i just (laughs) this is like the complete opposite but have you heard of the carnivore diet
1: Probably. You know, there are a lot of diets out there. I mean, between keto and. Yeah.
0: There's
1: a lot going on. Is carnivore just all meat?
0: Yeah. That's the only thing you eat is meat. And I don't know how it's a thing.
1: (laughs) I don't understand it. How do you not get sick? I don't
0: know. I don't know.
1: It's pretty well documented that, uh, like, I don't know. Meat doesn't
0: have everything you need. No, you're going to be
1: deficient somewhere.
0: Yes, 100%. That's
1: that's hard on your digestive system.
0: Yeah. I mean, what what does that colon look like? Just like, (laughs) not good. It's working overtime, man. Colon is swollen. (laughs) (laughs) Man, Uh, that's brutal. But everybody's looking for a quick fix, man. That's true.
1: But the plant-based diet, I don't think you can argue with it, especially if you're getting your supplements from... You know your B twelve or whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah. That, you can get your protein and all that stuff from, from plants. People don't yeah. buy into it the way I think that they probably should. They can just get out of their own way. Right. But yeah, it works.
0: Yeah, I think I, I think that's a great point that you brought up. Like that's the main thing that people bring up whenever they talk about plant based stuff. Is like, well, you're gonna be deficient. You get your
1: protein. Yeah.
0: Well, well, you can get protein plenty of places, but also yeah. like. A supplemental like B twelve, or or right. you know a B vitamin or something like that is like right. important to keep in mind. Like, yeah, even things... people
1: who eat meat have vitamin deficiencies. Yep. So you just gotta be wary of like people who tell you they know stuff. Because I know for a fact, I haven't been in school for like my whole life. There are a lot of people with credentials who know nothing.
2: Oof. Oof. They know this much. Yeah.
1: I know this much about what I spent four years studying. Yeah, my breadth of knowledge is not this wide. Yeah. It just isn't. Yeah, that's not that's not what people who get medical degrees and PhDs are in school for. Yeah, you're you're there to learn a very narrow area of content, and you should be an expert in that content. Right. But beyond that, man, one of my friends ask me questions. Hey, you got a PhD? What do you think? I'm like, Hey, look, (laughs) I don't know about your marriage. I'm sorry. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Take her on a date. I don't know. Try harder. (laughs) Buy buy her gift. My doctor has nothing to do with anything. Like, I don't tell people I have one because all of a sudden I'm the smart guy. uh, I,
0: I mean, when you'd said that you had a PhD, I was like, whoa, Okay. Now I'm. I never, I, now the questions. I never, now the questions get harder.
1: <laughs> I never bring it up because yeah. it it changes the it sucks the air out of the room. Yeah, and it's like one of those things. I never want people to. Uh, people use it against me, oh. which is another reason I don't bring. Interesting. it Interesting. Oh yeah. Is it? it? It's weird, man. Like, like
0: like they try to challenge you. Like you think people you're use to it point. against me? Like.
1: Yes. So things like if you have a strong opinion on something or you think about an issue maybe with more nuance than the average person might people will say things like you know (laughs) uh You know all your degrees, man. You're overthinking it. It's like, okay, so if I, so if I didn't have a PhD, what would your assessment be of me? So basically, people pull that Uh, as a way to dismiss you or to criticize you because it's like, oh, you would say that because you have a PhD, and it's like, I don't. It has nothing to do with anything. Yeah, you know. And so it's like something. It's something I rarely mention because. I found that it, it makes people really uncomfortable or people start asking a bunch of questions that I don't want to answer <laughs> because they think I'm smarter than I am. <laughs> so it almost becomes embarrassing. It's like disappointing. They're like, oh, well, I thought you said you had a PhD. He's like, I do. I didn't tell you I was the smartest man in the world. I didn't say that.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: So yeah, it's it's you know, it's just one of those things, man. It's cool. I'm proud. I'm proud that I was able to earn it.
0: Yeah, it takes a lot of discipline. Like that's. I think that's the that's the biggest thing is like anybody with a PhD. So like I, I, hats off to you for like having that amount of discipline.
1: I tried, and I think yeah, I I think that's pretty much the heart and soul of what a PhD means, you had discipline, which is why I get frustrated when people try to make it about intelligence. Yeah. It really isn't about being smart. It's about just kind of toughing it out. because yeah. It's hard, Yeah, but it's not so hard that people who don't have one, they they make it out to be something it isn't. Now, don't get me wrong. If you have a PhD in like biochemistry, that's different. Yeah. I have a PhD in education policy, and I did not mean at all to say that it wasn't a tough experience because it was. They, I don't know if it was Jay-Z, but it's like there's levels to this thing. I've got friends with PhDs in like computer engineering. They are some of the smart people I know. Mm. I mean I'm no dummy, but these are these are different level thinking people. And I respect the fact that there's a there's a there's a gap between my intelligence and and yours. Um, But for the most part, man, people who have earned doctorates, I found, are, they just stick to it, grid it out kind of people.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, And for that season of my life, I was was just fun to finish it and keep it moving. Yeah. Um, Something I couldn't, probably couldn't live with myself had I quit. I had days. Yeah. I'm sure this is hard. Yeah. Yeah, but for the most part, I mean, any, anybody who wanted it bad enough could do it. It's not that hard. Yeah. yeah.
0: Hmm. Well, I dropped out of college. So,
1: yeah. I, I mean, it wasn't my bad. You know, sure. <laughs> yeah. But see, and that's important because the work I'm in, like I said, we do advocate, education policy advocacy work. And one of the things that the drum we beat is, post-secondary opportunity
2: mm-hmm.
1: does not mean college. Yeah, does not mean four-year college for everybody. Yeah. There are programs in Georgia where you can apprentice your senior year of high school, do an addition, once you graduate, like an additional year of training, and you can be making like $65,000 as a 19-year-old in construction. We have cybersecurity programs in Georgia that are paying kids out of high school like eighty grand. Dang. Now, now, those kids would
0: have no idea what to do with that money.
1: <laughs> of course not, and that's 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 part of the challenge. Like, how do you educate a nineteen-year-old on personal finance? Hopefully, you've gotten some lessons before. But if the argument for going to college is purely financial, people are getting fleeced.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Right. Totally. And and I have a college degree, but I my college degree is in English literature. <laughs> which is why I kept going to school because (laughs) I knew I couldn't do anything. And, and a lot of people, man, are being lied to. They're just absolutely being lied to. I think there are a lot of social advantages to going to college and there is hard data that shows having a post-secondary credential or opportunity means a world of difference for, you know, what your economic earning potential could be. It's graduating from high school is a huge deal in terms economically. Yeah. But as far as needing to go to a, like UT Austin, not no. No. You know, some people are much better in technical fields, and would be better off going and getting like <coughs> a degree in construction management, <coughs> starting a company. Right. Yeah. Or you know, and starting a construction company, like you can make a ton of money doing that. Yeah, you can. (laughs) Yeah. So education. I mean, college is expensive, man. Mm -hmm. It's. I was fortunate to go on scholarship. Yeah. All the way through. That's awesome. I never had to pay, and I'm grateful for that. But had I had to pay it, I think would pause and thought about it like, oh. Yeah. I don't know. The return is there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm a big education advocate, but I think education should be defined more broadly than we typically do. Yeah.
0: I think that's smart.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, (laughs) yeah,
0: you probably thought about education more than I have. So, (laughs) no, I mean,
1: you know, I think you were smart. I think you were smart to to say this isn't for me rather than stay here (laughs) knowing it's not for me. That takes a lot of courage. Takes a whole lot yeah
0: of time. well also i got pregnant well i didn't get pregnant my wife did and we we're like mm, i need to make the money <laughs> I'm, gonna, yeah. I'm gonna go make some money because right. you know her working at whole foods and then you know that doesn't support a family really so right um she doesn't work at whole foods anymore uh, and we're <laughs> fine <laughs> four kids exactly. later uh, <laughs> exactly do you have a um a, a weird habit I ask everybody this
1: weird habit
0: or 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 it could be like uh, an absurd thing that you enjoy doing
1: My answer to that question was was kind of a gun the, the guns thing because um, contextually speaking, it is kind of absurd that I of all people would be a gun enthusiast, yeah um, I probably do, man. Had I thought more about. The habit question. Yeah. What what have people said? Okay, so uh, the, I might I might have an answer. I don't know so, if I'm thinking about the question. One of right.
0: the one of the weirdest ones, and I just So, the the last episode with Casey. Um, we brought this up again, but Susan Adams, um, she, for the longest time, would would say. Sentences backwards in her head. <laughs> whenever people would talk, so she would. They would talk to her. She would play the sentence backwards in her head, bef- like as they're talking. Wow.
1: Yeah, it's how does she how does she stay engaged in the
0: conversation? I don't know she? that she did. I mean, she might have. I don't. <laughs> but like, she she legit thought that everybody else did that.
1: Oh wow! Yeah,
0: which is huh. that's very absurd. Um, but it, we we like we narrowed it down to some brain uh, trauma that she had as a youngster, uh, <laughs> so it got a little you know less fun. But <laughs> man. but she's she's lighthearted enough. It wasn't weird. Um,
1: this is not an absurd habit, but my wife thinks it's weird. I always wear house shoes. Okay. I hate to, I hate to be barefoot. Um,
0: okay. Now, okay. My wife, yeah. my wife is the same way. She will not be barefoot in the house.
1: I refuse, but I think I know why. Okay. Um, I'm flat footed. Okay. And it's painful.
0: Oh, okay.
1: To walk around without some cushion, even if it's a pair of socks. Okay. Uh, my feet hurt every morning. Oh man. Um, and uh, it's gotten progressively worse as I've gotten older. I'm not even old. I'm like, oh, man, it's going to be bad. <laughs> but uh, I don't know if that, if that qualifies as absurd, but... No, I mean, so... It's definitely kind of quirky, I mean...
0: Yeah, a bit. Like,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. My wife, my wife my wife, thinks it's super weird. Like, I, I will go all the way down to our basement where we keep some of our outside shoes because we don't wear shoes in the house. Yeah. And I'll step out of my house shoes into their shoes <laughs> and i <then> go outside.
0: <laughs> I like that.
1: I yeah. I got I got I'm a mental ar- image of that one. I like that. And I, I sometimes get panicky if I can't find my house shoes. So there are occasions where I'll be barefoot only because I'm looking for my house shoes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm barefoot in the shower.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. Okay. You know, barefoot Thank in the steps.
1: shower. <laughs> you know, when I'm getting dressed after the shower, then it's straight to the house shoes. That's good. And then I I put them at the side of the bed, and I get in the bed, and I wake up in the morning. I put my feet in my house shoes. That's so good. And I walk around. That's so it's it is kind of weird now that I think about it.
0: Well, my wife, my wife won't do it because she doesn't like like the the dirt on her bottom, the bottom of her feet. That's oh. that's why she won't do it. I'm like, but you'll go barefoot outside. Like you'll you'll walk barefoot in the grass. Oh, I won't even do that. Oh, oh man, that's interesting. Even though like the I ground's kind of cush. Hmm.
1: I don't want a hook farm or something. <laughs> <laughs> earthing,
0: earthing is. Um, I think there's no science about earthing, but um, you know, Where's earthing. earthing? So it's walking. No. It's walking barefoot in the grass. And it oh. the uh, the magnetic pull of the earth is supposed to draw things out of your feet or something. I don't Weird. know. I don't know. I did it, I did
1: it a <laughs> couple times at our old house because we put sod in, in the backyard. Oh yeah. So, you know, it was really nice. But I was like, you know, it's not it's not my thing. So <laughs> I put my shoes on. After that, my wife's walked around barefoot. Yeah. When when she was pregnant with our last. Well, our daughter, our third child, <laughs> because she's always barefoot, and she was pregnant. She's like, "Look, I'm barefoot and pregnant." So, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> See, I never got that joy. I never got that joy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that's probably as weird. As, I mean, I'm I, I can be quirky. Yeah. I'm very 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 particular about most everything, food, clothing. Um, I have a kind of OCD part of my personality. It doesn't translate into everything. Like I'm not a very neat person, but my closet is very neat because mm. that's where my clothes are, and I love my clothes. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and um, I'm very particular about how I edit my photos. Yeah, it sounds random, but so I have these pockets of obsession that my wife is just like I don't get it yeah she's like because you don't mind the house being a mess but you 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 know you edit your photos in a way that's very very particular huh. it's because it's art yeah and my clothes are very particular because it's an artistic expression yeah my car is a hot mess but <laughs> my, my clothes are impeccable yeah so I don't know man I think When I take a step back and try to examine myself, I don't make a lot of sense to to me, (laughs) but I don't get to be anybody else. So I just
0: have to (laughs) keep on going.
1: That's all I can do. Yeah.
0: That's good, man. Rob, thanks so much for being on the podcast.
1: Pleasure, man. This has been fun.
0: I enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. Look at this. Look at me. I'm like, (laughs) <laughs> I looked looked up here. I was like, I feel like what I'm kind of sweating. Um, and so we have a bus that was given to us, and I converted okay. it into our like our little studio area. And we have an That's AC in cool. here, but I turned it off because it's too loud.
1: <laughs> who's on your Who's on your shirt? Uh,
0: this is Charles Spurgeon.
1: The Spurgeon, yeah. Are you a Christian? Yeah. Nice man, you reformed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. My my neighbor. Um is he's Reformed Baptist. Okay. And um he's a huge Spurgeon fan. He's got a Spurgeon beard. It's it's so cool. But his kids and our kids, we, we homeschool. Okay, cool. So our kids are in the same homeschool co-op. Nice. He loaned me a Spurgeon book yeah that I've yet to read. Yeah. Um that's cool, man. Yeah. I'm 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 learning about uh Reformed theology, capital R reform theology. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not I'm not real big on like camps, like ideological camps or even like yeah. theological camps. Yeah. So uh but I like to know where where people are coming from when they have certain positions. Yeah. So I, I thought it was um uh, thought it was Stalin at first. <laughs> <laughs> all I no. could see was the all I could see was the top. And I was like, That's interesting. He has a Stalin uh, I'm right.
0: <laughs> not a fan of Stalin. um Spurgeon. That's no, sweet, I think man. uh Spurgeon. So my wife and I we foster and like Spurgeon um, I don't know he, he fostered over like a hundred orphans in his time wow. or something like it was just ridiculous how much yeah. work he did for them and like that's like um, yeah and he was a thoughtful dude uh, I think he's a good theologian
1: um, oh for sure man. I've never read anything that was disparaging about Spurgeon of course he was a man and probably had some sure some things that <laughs> We might balk at today, yeah. but celebrated guy, man. Yeah. I read some stuff some years ago when I was trying to figure out some personal things around ministry. And Spurgeon kept coming up. And I was like, who is this who is this guy? But yeah. You know? like, yeah, consider one of the greatest preachers ever, ever which says a lot. Yeah. Saying a lot.
0: Yeah. You just standing yeah. in the back after he smoking a cigar, shaking hands.
1: Yeah. I like that. <laughs> yeah that's cool bro yeah. i didn't realize that yeah
0: yeah i mean and i think i'm i'm pretty similar i don't really like you know i'm i'm leaning reformed um yeah. but i really i'm not a big fan of saying like i'm baptist or whatever
1: yeah i say i'm a christian you know and we can talk from there but as far as denominations and all that kind of stuff right, i believe in the gospel message yeah i believe. The Bible. Yeah, I believe the, like the fundamental tenets of Christianity before you start getting into the the particulars of right. theology, right? And yeah. doctrine. Yeah. Well, doctrine that sometimes divides. I think there is doctrine we should all adhere to. Right. But some of the stuff is just like, hey, do you? But I'm not going to get sucked into a camp because yeah. I don't think that we can be unified in the body of Christ if everybody's got a label they're smacking on their foreheads. Yeah to say, I'm over here. Right. So where would Jesus have found himself? I know. In your camp? Yeah. Or in that camp? Yeah. Or, mm-hmm.
0: or like, this is the thing that's been like, I've been mulling over a lot is, um, like, how much of our American Christianity is so far away from what he
1: actually wanted? I love at her about the whole issue around statues of Jesus and whether or not people should be removing statues of Jesus. Oh, because, really? Well, yeah. So, so with everything going on with these Confederate monuments, oh yeah, one of the sidebar conversations that has emerged is, well, what about white Jesus? <laughs> you know, we've, yeah. Enshrined, yeah. we've enshrined white Jesus in America. We have, yeah. the, we have these physical monuments to Jesus that probably is yeah. biblically inaccurate. Oh, 100%. What do we do, right? Yeah. So some people are like, "What?" <laughs> like in my church, yeah. In my church, which prides itself on being actually, it does not pride itself on being multicultural, yeah. but it is multicultural. Okay. Um, and there's no. Let me be sure I'm clear. There's no issue with the fact that it's a diverse church. Our pastor just doesn't like that type of language. Sure. Yeah. Um, but every image of Jesus in our the church is a blonde-haired, and blue-eyed Jesus, which is odd. Given mm-hmm. that the church is like fifty percent black. Yeah. And of that fifty percent, it's almost like fifty percent Nigerian. Yeah. Um we have an interesting mix. Yeah, the, that's majority, awesome. the majority of the church leadership is white. yeah. So I think unknowingly, what they've done is they've perpetuated these ideas and images of Jesus that are most comfortable for them. Yeah. But get people like me a lot of pause. Yeah. Because I'm like, first of all, Jesus. Nope more than likely didn't look like that. And second of all, is it important that we have images of Jesus in the church anyway?
2: Right. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think there's a, there's a biblical argument against um, iconography Mm and imagery of, of Jesus because it can create, I think some idolatrous tendencies, right? Yeah. So we start gravitating toward this image of Jesus. That's, like no, yeah. So if you're worshiping a white Jesus in your mind and in your heart, what does that do to you? Yeah, and yeah. What, what does it also do to you as a person of color to feel like you know those same types of images are in your head? So I, I would be fine if my church had no imagery of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. At all, I'd be perfectly fine with that. I think make everybody feel more comfortable. Yeah. But, you know, you got stained glass images of Jesus. And, <laughs> I mean, he looks like he's from California, man. Jeez. <laughs> you know, so like, weird. It is weird. And yet, I get it because apparently, globally, most people depict Christ as, as their own. So mm-hmm. I didn't know this, but in certain parts of Asia, Jesus looks like, the, like, like, He's Asian, yeah, East Asian, I should say. And then, same thing, Africans depict Jesus as more of of a dark skinned African looking man. Hmm. So, it's not surprising that you know, a country that was populated by Europeans would have European, you know, images of of Jesus. But the conversation is an interesting one, yeah. How are people in the church responding you can you can tell what people's hearts are when some of this mm-hmm. stuff comes up
0: well yeah and i think i think i don't know i'm i'm so much not a um like a statue is a statue so just tear it down like it doesn't it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't bother mean anything me forever. it doesn't mean anything to me well like for one the confederate statues yeah tear those down because like yeah. why are they up there in the first place
1: intimidation yeah,
0: a hundred percent. And so, like, definitely tear those down. But then, like, why? Why do we have a statue of Jesus? Why Jesus? Like, you
1: know? Yeah, I I don't see why you need a statue of Jesus. Whether he's is brown and curly haired, as he <laughs> probably was. Yeah. Or like, for what? What value does it add? And I don't need I I don't need a. I don't need a brown Jesus statue.
2: Uh-uh.
1: Yeah, so my my issue is not that I want him to look like me. Is yeah. that i think it's a distraction yeah
0: well yeah i th- i th- i feel like it's the same kind of thing as like our president going and holding up a bible in front of a church and not saying any words it's just kind of like you didn't do anything you didn't say anything it's just it's just a there you're just going for the picture of it yeah it's a it's
1: a very shallow um expression of something i'm letting sure faith would be the right word what is it? Yeah. Well, honestly, man, I think our country has been swimming in shallow waters for a long time. Yeah. yeah. And the most glaring examples, I think, are like the people we celebrate. I have no personal issue with the Kardashians, but the fact that they represent some of the most, they're some of the most well-recognized people in the world, but in our country, says a lot about what we think is valuable. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I'm just hopeful that people will just do the right thing. Yeah.
0: You yeah. Know,
1: the, it's, the right it's, things. There are multiple yeah. things that need to happen. But. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, and it's such a shame that like politics get tied up into it. Like it's instead of like, well, they're humans. <laughs> like right. that should be oh, okay.
1: Yeah. We're <laughs> debating here.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I don't. Oh, man, I'm so.
1: Yeah. But but, the, but again, that was my point when I said people, the condition of people's heart gets exposed yeah. when you're having these conversations. Yeah. Because you can yeah. smile and grin and shake my hand all day, but then I, but then the very phrase, not the movement, but the phrase "Black Lives Matter," you can't say it. Yeah. What's the problem? Yeah right
0: well uh, all lives
1: matter (laughs) yeah of course i mean the issue the issue you may have with the movement i can understand because i've done my research right and perhaps not everything they're about you're about fine but fundamentally if what they represent is a call to recognize black people's value right in this country yeah um you should you should be able to say yeah, Black Lives Matter. And I've been very proud of white pastors who I think historically have been silent on issues of race or at least quiet.
2: Yeah.
1: Coming out saying, yeah, I can't stand here anymore in this pulpit and pretend like there aren't issues that need to be addressed.
2: Yeah. Address.
1: yeah. It's good. So like kudos, man, to, to people who are being courageous, even if their courage isn't meeting the standard of other groups like i got friends who are wanting more and i'm like look you gotta let people make their way toward where you've been sure it's gonna take some time but people are trying and i applaud anybody who's trying to undo yeah bad habits and unlearn negative thoughts yeah i can't ask for too much more than that yeah
0: it's good man yeah bro as always, thanks so much for listening. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. It'll really save you time of like typing it into the search bar every every Friday. It'll just show up in your feed. That helps. Rob is Rob Gaines Photo on Instagram. I'm at Sasquatch Mansfield. And this podcast is the Film Photography Podcast on Instagram. Our wisdom comes from Dorothea Lange, who said, One should use a camera. As though tomorrow you'd be stricken blind. Till next time, guys, do good work, be well, stay disciplined. Cheers!